Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler, and we are here in the Condé Nast podcast studios with Sebastian Modak, Lauren DiCarlo, Meredith Carey, who is off the chain with the mic, so don't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm just she, holding it in my hands, guys, so if this, if this goes off the rails, that's... going to burst into song any minute now. <laughs> And Mark Elwood, all of these folks are both regulars on the podcast and editors for Traveler. And uh, my name is Brad Rickman. Today, we're going to plan our engineer, Brett Fuchs's trip to one of our <laughs> favorite cities. Uh, Brett, as you all know, because you're devoted listeners, has a new baby, and uh, he's trying to decide whether baby goes with him or baby doesn't go with him. But he's going to go to New Orleans. That is one of our favorite cities. Um, and so we're going to plan a trip for you, Brett. And for anyone else who's interested in going to New Orleans, which should be all of you, there's a quote that is often attributed to Tennessee Williams or Mark Twain. Um, it's kind of apocryphal that there are only three cities worth writing about in the United States. There's New York, there's San Francisco, and there is New Orleans. Everything else is Cleveland in, the, in, this, <laughs> in this apocryphal quote. I don't know what whoever said that had against Cleveland, but, uh, but it does speak to New Orleans even though it is not necessarily as big a city as some others like Houston, it is nonetheless an incredibly rich... It's seductive, uh, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it speaks to its uniqueness, too. I think that's a big part of it. That it, At least for me, the one thing I always tell about New Orleans is like it really does feel like nowhere else in the country like by a long shot. Oh, hang on. Before we start, I have to say, I think you missed something crucial here, Brad, that this is the first of a sort of series we're going to do where you get to pick our brains that New Orleans is the first time we're going to basically plan your trip. So while this is Fort Brett, there are many more to come where <laughs> you can kind of keep this in your back pocket and come back to it if you're planning a trip to New Orleans or to Italy, which will be next month's edition. So yeah, if you're thinking about going to New Orleans, just remember that this exists when you finally book that ticket. And if you have cities, that you, big cities or big destinations that you're very interested in having us plan, you can look at old episodes of Travelog where we did help you with trips to Asia, for example. We had such a good response to that that basically whatever brain trust we can call ourselves, we're putting together and this is the first one. So I believe the words you're looking for are blockbuster success of the, <laughs> of the plan your Asia trip. Uh, next anyway, up, Cleveland. Sorry, sorry, Sam. <laughs> and sorry, I will Sam. say, I will say, going back to Sam's point, we try not to use that word "unique" like ever in this office because I feel like it doesn't really tell you anything. But I would say it about New Orleans because there's really no other. Like it's very hard to describe to someone like everything that you're going to get out of a trip. To New Orleans and like when I went for the first time Seb sent me this huge email which is actually sitting in front of him that he sends everyone mm -hmm. because it's so hard to just like distill what you're going to like experience or eat or do or however you spend your time. I think it's also pretty easy to do it wrong. In our January issue which is out right now we have a guide to New Orleans for, in which a lot of this material is distilled and Lauren actually put that together and you lead with that. It's like yeah. it's easy to fuck this up. Oh yeah. my god. And as soon as you tell someone you're going to New Orleans, they hit you with so many recommendations and it's and it's almost like, "Oh god, what do I do with this?" Because you know that you're going to be there probably for a long weekend, so you have maybe two nights to really get everything you want in. You're like, "Cool, six meals a day. Let's oh, go." Oh god, yeah. And so you have to really strategize, but like in a way that is not unfun. You know, it's not like you have to do this. You have to do this. It is easy to mess up, but it's also, you, you have to let go a little bit. And I think that's the unique. So how do you mess up? How do you think, what do you think are the primary mistakes people well, make that aren't the just sticking, walking along Bourbon Street and only drinking there? I think what, that's you know, a huge But I think people thing. do that. Yeah. Like, I think there are, there are plenty of people who go to New Orleans who never leave the French Quarter. Because I think they think the that is time. New Orleans, yeah. right? Yeah. That's like what some people think is New Orleans, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's and, like people going to New York and spending the whole time in Midtown. Like, yeah. Times Square. Yeah. Oh, do you? Th I think, okay. So if that's one of the people do that. But I'm just. I'm just. I'm trying, I'm <laughs> they do. Think about, I'm trying to think about New Orleans and the mistakes people make, which is one thinking of the quarter as the be all and end all, and mm -hmm. Bourbon Street as the only place to get a drink. Yeah. But what else do you think, Lauren? When you were working on this, mm -hmm. what else did you sort of catch yourself recognizing that maybe? People, people get wrong or that you've gotten wrong on a trip and you're like, oh, I wish I'd remembered that before I'd gone. I think one of the things that struck me most about New Orleans that's a little bit different from other cities that we've covered is like figuring out what to do during the day, yes. um, which is it's it's like this box that you need you really need to think about it and you, you need to talk to the people who know because it's easy to waste your days. 
or spend your days in a bar just drinking and which is fine. You can a do very that. New and that would be fine. You know, but there are really great things like the sculpture garden at Noma blew my mind. It was so beautiful and there was no one there. It was so weird because on my way I took an Uber over there and the Uber driver was shocked that I was having a day. You know, he was like, well, you should be napping and and like, you know, recovering from your night. hangover. Yeah. yeah, and like thinking about where you're gonna go. And I was like, well, but there's stuff that I wanna do. And, and I'm so glad I did because... See, I think you're, I was going to say, I think you're right. I think one of the mistakes that we all made, and I made the first time, New Orleans was one of the last places, last major places in America that I actually hadn't been when I first moved here. So it, was, it got this mythical position. And I didn't pace myself. Yeah, pace mm-hmm. yourself. And I'm a heavy drinker. We're all drinking Sazeracs in honor of New Orleans <laughs> right now. But even I, I know, but that, I think it's it's to remember you don't have to do it all in the first 24 hours right because i right. spent the next 24 hours recovering from being a bit of an amateur at the beginning yeah. and a, a huge part of it is the day night thing because i think a lot of people go to new orleans to get a taste of that like i said very very unique culture because of the history there and everything and a big part of that culture is manifested in the food in the nightlife mm-hmm. in the music all things that happen after dark and you know in, in in a big way but you're missing out yeah if you don't go to the sculpture garden if you don't wake up at a certain time and like Go to one of my favorite places in the world, which is the Backstreet Cultural Museum in Treme in, in New Orleans, which is this tiny, you know, shotgun house just packed full of memorabilia from like the different social aid and pleasure clubs and the different the Mardi Gras Indian tribes that are down there. And there's just like an old man who runs it. If he's there, you're lucky. If he's if he's not there, you try again the next day. And he just takes you around and explains everything to you. There's no one else there because everyone's at home recovering from their hangover. Yeah. And, um, I, and you're missing out if you're not seeing that, that right, part of right. New Orleans culture. All right, all right. The enthusiasm is overwhelming here. That's clear. But as we get into this series, let's be a little systematic about people so that they can actually sort of follow along. And let's back it out a little bit, kind of like you guys did in the book. And let's mm-hmm. take it one sort of thing at a time. How would you break down the city and because you guys just solved this problem in the magazine what is the best way to break this down and let people think it through strategically well i think that one of the first things and you guys can see tell me what you think of this i think figuring out where you want to stay mm-hmm. right you want to figure out your your base location um and i think you know staying in the french quarter is fine right there's plenty of lovely places there i stayed at the soniat house which is right in the french quarter and it was lovely i think hotels in new orleans are a little bit tricky one of the things i found was there's this really unique thing i noticed the public spaces are really nice and or the rooms are really nice and i think you're going to sacrifice on like one for the other do you guys Mm -hmm. find that 100 percent. and it's one of those places where when the common spaces are really nice people legitimately hang out in them yes probably because their rooms aren't as nice as the lobby is and not right. just on their laptops they exactly hang out in they there. actually like legitimately like you know stop by the bar and bring a drink into the lobby yeah and i think the you know some of the hotels that we mentioned in book um a lot of locals hang out there's a great bar at the international house hotel where a lot of locals go after work the ace obviously the ace is great yeah um but you know the, you have to think about like are you going to hang out in your hotel lobby? Maybe, probably not. But, um, you know, it's it's a little, I think hotels are tricky. I, I think, think there's also a great, though, one thing that maybe, it's also tricky, but it also gives it a, a different experience, is that there's a, a really great, like, Airbnb and home rental yes. scene in New Orleans, too. And you can have a totally different experience by, you know, renting out a place with a bunch of friends in the Bywater or something, kind of away from mm-hmm. all that French Quarter action. But you'll still have a bar on your corner that has live music at I think PM, you're 100%. You know, I, yeah. you, know I, you would have to, you know, club me and <laughs> anesthetize me to stay in the Airbnb <laughs> voluntarily, as many people listening will know. But even I would say to people in New Orleans, I think don't spend money on a hotel in New Orleans. It's not the, t- it's not the place to splurge. Spend money on a really nice Airbnb, sure, or spend money on a really convenient hotel. But it's you're really looking for a base, yeah. not a hotel experience. There are some right. lovely hotels, but I'd rather go for a much splashier meal or two and have a cheaper hotel. So can we give people a little bit of a sense of the sort of top five neighborhoods that are interesting and, and what they might represent so that they can think about them as they're planning? Um, well, I think if you start from like the French Quarter and go a little out, from the French Quarter, there's Frenchman Street, which is kind of some of the the decadence and the, uh, I don't know, darker side of New Orleans has started spilling over into Frenchman Street, but it is still a place where you can go 
and see like a really amazing show or, you know, walk into any bar on Frenchman Street, Spotted Cat, like all these little small venues that are going to have these just killer New Orleans players playing yeah. shows for free usually. Um, and Seb, can I just interrupt for a second? Mm -hmm. Every time I asked someone who lived in New Orleans where they go to listen to music, they would always say French Street. French Street, I mean, yeah. that's where the locals are going. Yeah. Because you can't go wrong. But that's another thing to point out about New Orleans, too, and to your earlier point, Seb, about the bar on every corner that has music in it. New Orleans is a place where the musician, the quality of musicianship is astronomically high. It's just high. astounding. Yeah. yeah. And you can't throw a rock without hitting an amazing musician. So it's one of those things where... Yeah, go see a show here or go see a show there. But the truth of the matter is that the local bar and uh, the other thing that uh, that is true of New Orleans, lots of world class musicians live there or hang out there or pass through there, and they don't just go to the main venues. Yeah. They wander around the neighborhoods. They visit friends. They sit in on each other's gigs. There are jam sessions all over the place. So you might see, you know, and I don't mean to suggest that you would, but you might see somebody of the caliber of like a brand from Marsalis or somebody who is an international player turn up at a set in some like little right. bar just sit in on someone and just set. sit in on a set because their friends are playing yeah but what i was going to say is i think the simplest way i always think of new orleans is it's a hub and spoke city where the hub is the french quarter and from it radiate the warehouse district uptown mid-city the marigny triangle the marigny marigny triangle and the bywater mm -hmm. and those neighborhoods sort of are like pieces of a cake all of which intersect with the quarter. So if you stay in the quarter, you can get to each of them yeah. more quickly. It's almost like that's a, a central point. And all of them have very distinct vibes. And no matter where you stay, you can reach them. But the quarter radiates into those. And what are the vibes? I mean, there's, and you mentioned Uptown, and I think Uptowns can be overlooked by a lot of people, especially if they're limiting their their trip to the French Quarter and maybe Frenchman Street, maybe the Marigny a little bit. But like if... Uptown, I think, is sometimes overlooked as, oh, it's residential. I mean, it's where it's where my girlfriend lived when I was in a long-distance relationship and why I was going to New Orleans every other month for two years. Um, and I think people are like, oh, it's residential. It's like the big, you know, big houses, the big mansions and all of that. But it's also where, like, the Audubon Park is, which is beautiful. There's some amazing little venues there. There's the Maple Leaf, which is an institution in New Orleans. Every Tuesday night, the Rebirth Brass Band. You have to see them. It's uh, it's it's see, amazing, an unbelievable experience. It's an unbelievable say, experience, and like so, so that's like a that's a whole other vibe where I think people overlook it, but it's the same kind of thing. It's what you were saying that in all these neighborhoods you can find a, some flavor of the cuisine, of the music, of the nightlife. But uptown is if if I were to count because I think if I were to count like uptown is way more spread out. Like it's way more spread out. You're going to walk further. Magazine Street is really long, and if you oh, walk if you the walked in Magazine Street yeah. in the summer, I've done it. I've <laughs> nearly died. Been there, and it's, it's the really worst. so. You know, uptown. Don't be so ambitious. It's the one bit of New Orleans where you're like, wow, these distances are quite a long way. But you can take the streetcar up there, walk you can, a little, get back on the streetcar. But I've done that walk in the summer, and it's been you know, there's that. Then there's the warehouse district. Which one, which when I first went to New Orleans was kind of scummy, and now like all warehouse districts is nightlifey, and there's galleries and the art world is a bit there. And then can I posit a theory yeah. on that that you you might think is wrong, but it seemed to me like the last time that I was in New Orleans, it was a few years after Katrina had hit and the city was kind of in rebuilding mode. And that was one of the districts where there was a lot of activity. I feel like that, you know, in a weird way, people kind of rushed into that district post Katrina and kind well, of. That's an interesting. Does that does that make sense to you? I think so. And I would. I think you bring up a very good point. I remember going to for an art biennial to New Orleans uh, for Prospect One, which was the first of their sort of art installations, and going to the Lower Ninth Ward, which at that point had been cleared of debris but was still very devastated, and feeling a little uncomfortable. Was I? was it disrespectful to be there post-Katrina and how much... And so many of the local people said, no, it's just so nice to have people come back. Totally. And, you know, any of our un misgivings about, oh, is it respectful to go over in New Orleans? Yeah, just spend your money there. It's that classic thing. Yeah. Please, please, please go back. You're not being disrespectful. It's a city that needs tourism. It's okay. <laughs> and that's surprisingly, I think you can like, okay, so we've all been in there in the summer when it's like a million degrees and so humid, which is number one reason why you need to plan things to do during the day because <laughs> walking around is just not an option. But I will say that, you know, you can actually go to these incredible restaurants. You can go to the Sculpture Garden. You can museums, go the to World the War II World War II Museum, museum which is absolutely incredible. Um, but you can get reservations at all of these restaurants that are so incredible that you're going to want to make in advance just so that you kind of have a plan because mm -hmm. 
it's very overwhelming to just be sitting there like, there are 70 million amazing restaurants to pick tonight. Where mm-hmm. do I go? But you can get those reservations and do all of those things because, you know, in the summer it's too hot. Well, I think a lot of people only, like the city is only flooded during Mardi Gras. That is the only time that I have found where there are too many people. Jazz Fest, maybe. Yeah. And Jazz Fest. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Jazz Fest. Um, but if you're going like on a regular old, you know, three-day weekend mm-hmm. or you're going in the summer, you're going to be able to do all the things you want to do and then maybe come back two weeks later and do the other things you wanted to do that you couldn't get in into that three-day three weekend. So I think that, like, you know, we're saying have a plan, have a plan, but it's one of those places where, like, you're only having a plan so that you don't miss out. Yeah. Not because you can't do it without And if we're one. talking mm-hmm. timings, I love what you brought up. I would say, having been there for Mardi Gras, I would say book your flight out on Ash Wednesday because I didn't realize how dead the city would be and how little I'd be able to do because everything was shut. So I had this weird day where, because it's such a day of mourning, the city was quite depressing and empty and shut down. Mm. Yeah, and well, that, go- I mean, yeah like- and well, going to Meredith's point, I, I would say that if it's your first trip to New Orleans... I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go for Mardi Gras, and I wouldn't go for Jazz oh, Fest. Exactly. I think. I think you should experience Mardi Gras in New Orleans at some point. It's, it's so much fun. It, there's nothing else like it. But I think for a first trip to really get the city to get what's so appealing about it, there'll be a festival happening when you're there. Guaranteed. There's a festival every weekend yeah. in New Orleans somewhere. Essence Fest when I was there. Yeah, there'll be a second line somewhere that you can follow and and join and see that part of the culture. But yeah, go when when you can get into all the restaurants when you can go to all the clubs and not have a hundred other tourists explain second line second line is i don't want to get this wrong but it's uh, someone will tell you it's a tradition (laughs) rooted in in funerals and like jazz funerals where after the after the you know coffin's been lowered into the ground there's a procession of sorts that goes through the streets everyone's dressed to the nines there's a brass band leading the way um, and it's like a celebration of that person's life and they'll do it in 120 degree weather and like you join in and that's what's so cool about New Orleans is that New Orleans is going to keep being New Orleans and doing its cultural thing with or without the tourists there and like yeah. you can come you can show up you can join that second line dance a bit whatever clap your hands they don't give a shit whether you're there or not they're going to keep doing it and I think that's like that's you'll see that part of New Orleans most when it's not fully on display for Mardi Gras or Jazz Fest. When I went, it was the first time I'd been, and I honestly felt like I was in another country, and it mm-hmm. I, it was so wonderful. Everyone was so nice and welcoming. I was looking into, I was peering into um, the window of a house. I didn't know it was a house. Um, in the French Quarter, I thought, <laughs> yeah, is this a beautiful bookstore? Is this a hotel? <laughs> a what is this? Of some sort. Yeah. The, the front door swings open. This man walks out, and I said, is this place open now? It's 11 o'clock at night. What is it? Is it a bookstore? No, this is my house. <laughs> Would you like to come in? <laughs> I went into his house. My husband and I went into his house. So you went on your own. I was just checking. You were No, with I was your with my husband. This very nice gentleman lets us into his beautiful home. 11 o'clock at night. Could you imagine? Let's us in. We stay for about two hours. He gives us a tour of the house, all of the secret hallways. Every, I mean, it's the, it's the most beautiful home. Do you want to go sit on the terrace? We sat outside. It was beautiful. Where else in this country would I ever do that? But for some reason there, I was 100% on board. You know, everyone there is so nice. It, the, the culture, it just, it's so bright and lively and fun and it just makes you I mean I'm retiring there and it's all the more astounding considering what they've been yes you know exactly the the resilience that that shows and I will say that you know I think something that's come up kind of through everyone's conversation is that when we first went you know we got a lot of suggestions from people who had been from locals I mean we have a few in book but I mean, I got a bunch of advice from Sebastian and uh, Lauren before I left, but I also, when I was there, because I didn't do the day planning thing well, and it was like actually 98 degrees and 100% humidity. Um, But like when we would get, my friend and I, when we would get to a store that we had been planning to visit, we would ask the person at the store, okay, like where should we go from here? And they're like, oh, well go check out like my friend's shop around the corner or like go to this restaurant or go to this thing. And we just kind of like hopped from recommendation to recommendation from people that we had literally maybe spent five minutes talking Mm. to and every single one was great. Um, and some of them are, are actually ended up in book. We went to Sunday shop because it, we found it on Instagram and Mm -hmm. was like, oh, this thing is absolutely beautiful. 
and the woman who was there was like, go to Turkey and Wolf if you want to have like lunch because we. It's like a fun scavenger hunt. You it just was, get the I mean, person. It was great, and then like that ended up. That ended up being like Bon Appetit's, you know, best new restaurant in the U.S. Mm. And so I think that you know people who live there have a total like temp on their neighborhood, and they. You know, but remember, oh, are good. It's, but remember, I think it's one of those cities that punches above its weight in pop culture versus compared with its population. New Orleans population in 2016 was under 400,000 people. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's not 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 even half a million. So it's a small town. Of course, people know recommendations because it's a bit like being in a small town where oh, my friend runs the bookstore up there. Or I know mm-hmm. everyone. Don't that was an forget. actual conversation that it, I had. My friend owns a bookstore around the corner. But your expense—it's—it's a big—it's—it is a big city in terms of awareness, but it's not a big city in terms of the day-to-day or on-the-groundness. It's exactly. also like just the immense pride that people from New Orleans have in New Orleans, and I've, it's like it's contagious, and it's—it's it's the reason everyone knows the best place to get fried chicken or the best, yeah. you know, uh, crawfish in the in the neighborhood. Um, I mean, you see it when there's like. A Saints game on in New Orleans, like it's just the the love that people have for their own city. Um, but it feels uh, like a big city in terms of like the food that okay, I mean, really? the restaurants oh, and yeah. like the food options. I, getting this trip together, it felt like I was planning. You know, it's like what I imagine someone coming to New York or LA. It's like that many recommendations, and they're all so good and great. And I think that's where some of this strategizing comes in because I think if you're going for a long weekend and you have two dinners. It's like, make your appetizers work. I mean, I would say, like, go somewhere for drinks and, like, a pre-dinner dinner and then have, like, another dinner after that. Just know you're going to eat a ton. You're going to eat and drink a lot. Yeah, starve yourself. And be okay with that. In all seriousness, starve yourself the week before because you you, you do want to turn up hungry. You do. All right, so let's get a little bit specific we've, we've talked a little bit about Sorry, neighborhoods we're, we're just we're just getting no, the, away no i know the enthusiasm just a love again. Letter to like, yeah um but let's get a little bit specific um when it comes to restaurants and again it's going to depend on where you're staying and what your agenda is but what were some of your favorites lauren oh god it's so hard um shia knocked my socks off shia is oh. one of the best i just want to like drop the mic i'm holding in my hand because <laughs> shia is like and the thing is literally, you can't yeah. see us tell us about going, shia now uh-huh, i'm like uh-huh. drooling thinking tell of us. the hummus tell, tell the people about oh, shia oh god it's uh i guess you'd call it modern israeli it, it, look this is all you need to know about shia you are going to have the hummus and pita of your freaking life at this place i mean you'll have it there and then you won't be able to eat it anywhere else and and it's weird i know it's weird to say that's the meal that I remember most from New Orleans, but my God. And I will say my advice for Shia is I loved going for lunch. So I got every, like, I mean, mm. I got the lamb ragu, which was like life changing. Um, but it going for lunch meant that I had room for another like amazing place for dinner. And it was just as good going for lunch as it was for dinner. So that Pro was tip. another like yeah, decision that we made, which was we're going to Shia for lunch and not dinner. That's a good tip. Good pro tip for any big restaurant city where you're struggling to fit them all in. Yeah. Yeah. Where else? One of my favorites is a kind of very no-frills place uh, called Casamentos, Mm. where really you're there to order the oysters. Well, one, you should know that their hours are non-existent. They open and close whenever they want. I've been there when they had closed for a Saints game because they wanted to go watch the Saints game. (laughs) Again, like a very New Orleans thing, (laughs) right? Exactly, yeah. Like, uh, they, you know, enjoy life while they're running this delicious restaurant. And um, the variety of raw oysters they have is amazing, but really you go there, and along with the raw oysters, you order some charbroiled oysters because they've got, like, three grills going on out back. You see them on the way to, your ba- on the, way to the bathroom, um, and they're just roasting these oysters on a uh, barbecue, and they come fresh off the barbecue. And, uh, yeah, it's great. It's just uh, you go there, you eat, and you leave, and it's just one of those very sort of down-home New Orleans places that I really love. My top pick is one that I heard over and over and over again when I was um, trying to figure out kind of what my plan was, and it was one that Lauren, when I went into her office to ask her where I should go, <laughs> I think said the name of this restaurant like seven times <laughs> through the process. Oh, like, did I mention Seaworthy? Uh, um, yeah. 
But it is one of the places kind of opposite to what was Seb was saying that, you know, is open. Re- the kitchen is open really late. The kitchen mm. is open until midnight or 1 a.m. every day. Again, also has oysters, has amazing cocktails, um, is co-owned by Ace Founders and Grand Banks in New York Founders. And while I am not an oyster person, I'm like not even kidding you. This is so bizarre, but I would go back for the succotash, which is something I never thought I would say <laughs> in my life. But my friend and I got in super, super late um, after a, a very, you know, dramatic road trip and, you know, nothing was open, nothing was open. And I was like, oh, it, you know, it's it's too, quote unquote, too nice of a restaurant mm-hmm. to be open. And it was the only place that the kitchen was still open when we and got in cocktails. at 1130. And it was exactly what we needed. Yeah. And I feel like it's, an, again, one of those places that you could go there for your like pre-dinner appetizer or you could go after you've gone out and get there at like midnight mm-hmm. and still have incredible food. And, I have to and say, drinks. Their it, drinks are and so And drinks. Good. And just more Let's drinks. Let's remember, can we just stop and pause and say the cocktail, mm. as I said <laughs> earlier, we're drinking Sazerac's. The cocktail was invented in New Orleans, or the cocktail as we consider it was invented in New Orleans in July, which is what I go for a lot, is Tales of the Cocktail, which is the annual kind of like mm. cocktail Davos, if you can, if that kind of fits, <laughs> I don't know. Cocktail <laughs> people from across the world come and drink, make you drinks. But you've got to go to cocktail bars in New Orleans, go to Arno's French 75, go to the Windsor Court, compare your Sazerac from venue to venue because they will have their own riff on a Sazerac. The drinks are as much part of the culture as the food, and I don't know if every city that's true. Mm -hmm. So sure, they'll have nice wine, but you really want to try cocktails, and you even in a dive bar, they'll make you a killer Sazerac. It's not somewhere you have to say, oh, I'll have a beer or I'll have... No, say to them, what cocktails do you have? Because they will know how to make them. And I'm sorry it's tacky, but get a drive-through daiquiri just because you can. (laughs) (laughs) But that that said, I completely agree with you. Like most restaurants that are good with the food have a great cocktail program. It's just part of the game. But I would also say there's really good beer. So yeah. you can't, you kind of can't go wrong either way. You should definitely sample the cocktail. They know how to drink, and you can take it with you when you leave exactly. the bar. Yeah. So. that's a good point. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they also have really great wine, so they're just killing it because Bacchanal is like one of Bacchanal my favorite yeah. places. Amazing. Yeah, but they have good not, food. It's, but the point is, I think it's great what I'm saying too. is, it's a drinking as much as an eating city, yes, and not is. every eating city yes. is great at drinking. Is great for sure. at drinking, and mm-hmm. New Orleans, whatever you want to drink, every even the grubbiest bar. The bartender is going to know his or her stuff, yeah. and I yeah. think that's a difference. And one of the, I think one of the most special things about New Orleans is like those classics, like the Commander's Palace mm-hmm. and Galatoire's. Like you still want to go there. Yeah, you want to have that twenty-five cent martini lunch. Yeah, yeah. and you want to have the white jacket, like the the waiters. You know, I mean, in some places that's well, probably not cool. But here it's still so. You feel. Before you go, you're like, I'm being such a sucker. Exactly. I'm booking in for this. I'm going <laughs> to rock up. The food's going to be terrible. It's going to be so overpriced. I'm going to take a quick Instagram and I'm going to leave and it's be like, It's so mm. much fun, though. And it's amazing. It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah. I feel like New Orleans about food and cocktails is the way that Japan is, which is that they just do not, they take so much pride in it, they do not tolerate bad shit, mm-hmm. right? They just, they're not going to do it. It's who they are. It's, it's, it's the culture. Yeah. Um, first of all, is anybody here, Mark, this might be you or it might be somebody else, who can explain the difference between Creole and Cajun? May I, I'll take a punt. And Go I'm f- sure someone listening will. Um, the, essentially, the, the easiest way to understand it is that Creole is urban and Cajun is the bayou. Mm-hmm. So Creole cooking will be... New Orleans and Cajun cooking will be more countrified because of the the different cultural influences there were. But the experience you're going to have in New Orleans is largely Creole. Good. Okay. So if in doubt, say, is this Creole? Not, <laughs> I love your Cajun cooking. Yeah, you right. got to get a little outside of the city to get that Cajun. There's there. actually, I think, in like music an, as well. an actual like oh, really? border. That makes up what makes it Cajun and what makes it Creole. I think mm. it's like a ninety. Oh, I think wow, it's like a seventy mile radius around New Orleans, um, because I think like if you go somewhere like Lafayette, you're gonna find a lot of Cajun food that you wouldn't even find in New Orleans. And gumbo. I know. I, I can't remember which way around it is. Gumbo. You mean jambalaya? <laughs> <laughs> no, gumbo. Uh-huh. There's Cajun gumbo and Creole gumbo, depending on what the ingredients are. Mm. 
So then I have I have additional questions, Lauren. Maybe you did some. Mm. Um, maybe you got some tips on this, because there are some things that we think of as classically New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. And again, we've talked about the fact that you can get great stuff in almost every neighborhood, but still there are places that kind of like capture the moment every so often. So I'm wondering, what would you guys say is the best place to get a po' boy? And which kind oh of po' boy? Oh my god! Which kind of po' boy? Are you kidding? I'm so not answering many angry that. <laughs> if you have it, if you have, just a give people help. Oh, We're trying reference. to help people Let out. Let us know. The Mahoney's mm-hmm. on Magazine Uptown is the best beef po' boy I've ever had. Beef the, po' boy? I never yeah, even heard of a the beef best. Uh, well, it was roast beef. The best um, cochon de lait, which is kind of a po' boy adjacent, which is like the it's like a young pig. Yeah, uh, cochon oh. de lait. That's been raised on milk. You and can say baby, delicious yeah. baby pigs. Yeah, it's like delicious, a pig version of veal. Delicious yes. piggy. Um, the best I've had was actually at Jazz Fest, and this is a point that's worth making too: is that at most a lot of these festivals, you get great food because the vendors set up and they they make the one dish they specialize in. Um, so go to a festival too if you're looking for for po boys. Have you had Parkway? I've been to Parkway. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, to me, Parkway's, Parkway's good. That's, Parkway's that's great. the one. The local everyone who I talk yeah. to there. Is that? That's I'd go to. I'd go to. I'd Parkway. Parkway. Yeah, it's a good point that you make though, because there might be a place that does a really good shrimp po' boy, but the oyster po' boy is better somewhere else, right? Because there's yeah. different. There's different times. I mean, and then there's like like Parkway also does this uh, invented this caprese po' boy, <laughs> which I'm sure is gonna have New Orleans people screaming, but it's actually <laughs> really good. What's in it? If you're vegetarian, it's tomato and mozzarella, but like done with with some really nice like vinegar and you know a nice amount of vinegar on it and things like that. I think that's amazing. It's delicious. That's yeah. amazing. And as a vegetarian in New Orleans, which I'm not a vegetarian, but if you're a vegetarian like, in New no. Orleans, it's like a nice little piece of solace. <laughs> you know? I would eat that. Yeah. And I'm gonna throw out a wild card, which is that there's a, actually like a really huge Vietnamese population. Yeah. Oh my the, god! Yes. Oh boy, and the banh mi. If you cross to the the what's it called the left bank. The other side is where the Vietnamese community is. Right. So if you go, so if you're like in the French Quarter, if you go across the river, Mm -hmm. there are just an absolutely amazing banh mi's. Um, I think the most popular one that's like probably the most well-known is Dong Vuong Bakery. But like, I mean, if you are feeling like switching it up, there are places that will do like po' boy, you know, insides on banh mi bread mm-hmm. or you switch it around. So I think that, you know, if you want to go outside anything. the box. I feel like in New Orleans, you're like, I'd like this po' boy and they'll somehow <laughs> make it po' boy. But that's what's amazing because of this Vietnamese community that came in as they're like the basically the, the fishing people who run that port. Um, you get an incredible bowl of pho in New Orleans as well. Yeah. I think it speaks to the soul of the city too, and it's in its history, which is that it has always been a clash of cultures, kind of not a clash, but like a blend of cultures. It's actually, not a, say, it's, it's the not least a clash. Clashy. It's, it's the, the least, least yeah. clashy. But if you blurred th- up and clashy. Yeah. the French Quarter, the French Quarter is entirely made of Spanish and architecture. Yeah, <laughs> and it was the place where French culture and Spanish culture and whatever you know American culture all kind of like blended together really harmoniously mm-hmm. and stole from each other. That's the origin of jazz it, itself, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, I have other questions. Any more? Any other po' boy before we go? Those are our definitive answers, All right, that's Brad. good. I like those. <laughs> How about jambalaya? Oh. Mm. Is Mother's still considered? I would go to, I would go to, to Joey K for jambalaya. Joey K? You want to go, for jambalaya, you want to go to people's homes, which if you're Lauren, you probably would go to buy to They'll let you in. Just, so just knocking They're very nice. <laughs> I'd say um, that for me, hands down, Dookie Chase has the best gumbo in town. And Dookie Chase is a really interesting vibe too, because it's a lot of the like old school New Orleans big wigs looking to get their just simple bowl of gumbo. Mm. Um, I'm sure they have. I've never had the jambalaya there, but I imagine they knock that out of the park too. <laughs> okay. Um, what about a muffaletta? Oh. I don't know. I mean, Napoleon House. I think Napoleon House for a muffalata and a Pim's cup is the way to go. It was like your day drinking suggestion. I think in book was going and getting that uh, sandwich. But you know what? I think and it may be it may feel expected and like like touristy. But fuck it. Who cares? I will just be a tourist for a minute. It's fine. What we were saying earlier, like. You're going to Napoleon House, and yes, like you know, there are gonna be plenty of tourists that are there. But like, odds are there will be locals there too, yes. because the places that are really popular 
are popular because the locals were going there first. And because the food is good. Exactly. I think muffaletta is gross. I don't like olives. <laughs> and I think muffaletta is gross. And I'm so sorry. I've, it's like, it's sort of, you know, it's like a version therapy. Every time I eat an olive, I think I'll like it. And I've, I ate muffaletta last time and I was like, I'm just going to stop trying. <laughs> so maybe you're like me. I'm like, I gave up. I was like, I'm done. Well, you could go for the Pim's Cup. Because I also feel like it's one of those places that if I said, could I have the muffaletta without the olive spread, they'd be a bit like, get no. out. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What? Get Don't darken our door go. again. So I'm a bit like, mm, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want to move on from food for just a second, but any places, Lauren, that you want to shout out that maybe are are surprising, that kind of like blew for your food. mind? Yeah, for food. Well, um, a lot of people when, um, you know, obviously Shia came up a bunch and then there's this place sort of like catty cornered to it where everyone was like, just go there for a drink while you wait. Um, and it's called La Petite Grocery. Go there for a drink. They also have really great food. And uh, this one woman I talked to, she said, she's like, that's where everyone who lives here goes for like Friday or Saturday date night. It's this really beautiful little restaurant. Um, a lot of people also like N7. Have, have you guys ever been? Mm-hmm. Not been. My only concern with, I'm not concerned, but my only thing about that is it feels a little like you're, you're it's not like rooted in place. Like you could be in Brooklyn or in LA and... For me, if I'm going there, I want to feel like I'm hit over the head with, like, New Orleans charm. And and they're also big on, like, canned fish, which I'm not so big on. But yeah. people love it. People love it in seven. Um, I think those are the ones that, like, stuck out the most. I, I, have, to th- I have to say... Uh, in the Treme, Willie Mae's Scotch House for fried oh, yeah. chicken. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. It's the best fried chicken I've ever had. Yeah. See, I've always struggled about Tremay because I've always felt slightly uncomfortable in Tremay. I've always felt, because it is quite a sketchy neighborhood, and especially at night. And I felt a little bit, not like I'm going to get, I'm going to be a victim of violence, but just a little on edge. Do you think I'm imagining that, Seb? I mean, I think Tremay was obviously one of the most heavily affected by the hurricane. It was all but destroyed. Um, I think, in my experience, I've spent a lot of time in the Tremay. I've never felt out of place. Sure, I felt like an outsider. It's very clear I wasn't from the Treme. I've always felt welcomed. I think there's like so much history there. There's, you know, Congo Square and the Louis Armstrong Park and all of that is right there. Um, I, th- I think it's worth a drive through, through the Treme okay. to kind of see that side of New Orleans um, up to the kind of the levees. Oh no! I, I remember, think I remember I, going to like a secret pizza restaurant that like they wouldn't tell us where the I address was. I know that place. Like, yeah. yeah, and I think I think it's worth seeing. I think go. If if you if you are uncomfortable, um, just because it, it was a place that was really down on its luck for a long time, go with a local. Also go low key. I I would feel uncomfortable. You've written about this, like in a bus tour through the Ninth Ward, um, through the Lower Ninth. But I did not feel comfortable. Like my girlfriend who was living there driving me through it did not of. feel uncomfortable. Un- uncomfortable. I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, it's where you can see some of the best music in New Orleans. It's yeah. where you can get the best fried chicken in the world as far as I'm concerned. So I want to um, make sure we don't skip music. Um, and, and also I want to make sure we, we don't skip art. So music wise. Before, sorry, but can I oh, say sorry. one thing yeah. about food? Yeah. Um, I am obsessed with crystal hot sauce. Tabasco <laughs> is Cajun. It's made elsewhere in Louisiana. You don't have Tabasco in New Orleans. You have crystal, which is vinegarier and lighter. It's and great. I would put crystal hot sauce on fruitcake, on <laughs> eggs. I have a, I have an, a gallon jug of crystal Do you have it in your bag? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need it for your olives. Maybe that'll <laughs> help. That would like, fix I, the muffaletta. That would yeah. make the olives delicious. But I'm just saying, to me, if you see crystal hot sauce, just try it if you haven't had it. Because to me, it's like the magic condiment. <laughs> And that's my favorite thing about New Orleans. Excellent advice. So music, what guidance can we give people about music? We already talked about uh, Frenchman's Way. What about, uh, is there anything else that we want to give people by way of? Um, uh, I Honestly, first place to check is bestofneworleans.com. It's an amazing resource for like every single venue in New Orleans, what's happening that night, the times that they're happening. Um, and then use that as like your jumping off point, but also feel free to like, if something sounds good from the outside, step in. Step on in. If it's not great, you leave with your beer and you walk to the next place and drink your beer on the way. That's um, right. And I think, yeah, like there's the staples. There's, like I said, Maple Leaf, Tuesday Nights with Rebirth. It's, you know, it's tourists go, but there's a reason it's amazing. Um, see if there's like one of the local kind of big wigs playing at Tipitina's, which is one of my favorite venues yeah, in, this, it's in so the, great. the country. Yeah. Um, if you're there for Mardi Gras, go see Galactic play the 
play their Mardi Gras show where they play literally all night. Um, they start at like 11 p.m. They stop at about six in the morning, like four different sets, and then they leave and go party for Mardi Gras, and you go party with them at of the end of, at in the morning. Yeah. If stamina is not your thing, New Orleans <laughs> may not be for you. Seb, <laughs> <laughs> is, um, is there more music? Because if I, I understand that I can, I've been to sort of great sort of jazz and bluesy things. If I want to sort of experience music culture in New Orleans and maybe a bit more than that, am I going to get good classical? Am I going to, that? I've never. I'm not. I'm not the expert that you. I are. guess it depends. I mean, you can see kind of the more like a lot of like Rebirth is is the kind of modern brass band, right? They're fusing hip hop with with kind of New Orleans rhythms and and all of that. But there's also like Preservation Hall, obviously mm-hmm. down in the French Quarter, which is the really old school stuff, and that's definitely worth seeing too. Um, I'm sure there's a classical scene too. I, I don't know. I don't know if they have an orchestra, but um, I mean, I, I think it's really about just meeting, kind of seeing the characters of the music scene. You were talking about people being welcoming. I'll give like a quick anecdote at the Spotted Cat, which is a lovely little spot on Frenchman. Um, there's a musician called Washboard Chaz who plays the washboard. He's a very good washboard player. He plays like just with a hundred different bands, just sits in. He's kind of a legend in New Orleans. He also has, in the week between the two Jazz Fest weekends, he puts on something called Chaz Fest, <laughs> where he, it's in his like, friend's backyard, and he just plays with every single band for like two days. Um, but anyway, he, was, he happened to be playing the, the Spotted Cat, and he's like a big deal, and it was like you know, 12 people in this bar watching him play. And I just like struck up a conversation with him afterwards. And he's like, oh, you play the drums? It's, it's easy to transfer that to the washboard. Like, here's my number. Give me a call. I'll just like give you some lessons just to get you started. And then if you like it, you can, you know, keep taking lessons with me and stuff. And it was just like amazing. And yeah. I have washboard Chaz's number now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you give it a go? Though? No, I wasn't there long enough, you know, but I do own a washboard now. So maybe it's like you can yeah. give it a go. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I would also say, in, in answer to your question, I don't mean this as any slight to, like, if you live in New Orleans, you obviously want, you know, to dial into those scenes. But I think if you go to New Orleans, there's so much good jazz and riffs on jazz, because that's the other thing about it is, like, not all of it is, there's every type of jazz right. there for sure. And you have and, the Marcellus family, class. and then you have mm-hmm. Rebirth. And you yeah, have, like, but you also have all the riffs on jazz that people have done, because the creativity is just insane there, you know? It's not necessarily why you go. You know what I mean? So now I wanted to I wanted to make sure that we don't depart without talking about the art scene. Because, Lauren, you were blown away by some of the stuff that you found. Yeah. You know, just one more note on music. I think, um, I don't know if you guys have been to Music Box Village, but mm. the, have you been? Yeah. Cool. That's so cool. It's like, I mean, it just like I wish you could blows. have seen Lauren's reaction. <laughs> well, because. That noise, that sound effect didn't Because really you know didn't. why? It's like everyone who is doing stuff there is just doing it because they really fucking love it. And, they're, and it's like, you know, people who live in other places don't just like follow their passion as much as the people who live there do. Anyway, Music Box Village in the Bywater, it's just, it's sort of like, well, actually, someone described it to me as Mad Max meets Swiss Family Robinson, which is sort of like the only way to describe it. It's these wooden structures, and they're all meant, it's like climbing in a treehouse and like playing it. Like it becomes an instrument. And so you have everyone interacting with these structures, and it's just so awesome. And so I think, you know, you can go to Tipitina's and Preservation Hall and like Orpheum is this beautiful mm-hmm. old theater and and there are places to hear the music that you know you're going to want to hear when you're there and then there's stuff like Music Box Village which, the people just doing the wacky shit yeah, yeah and and yeah. it's and and that kind of thing is happening all over the place and you know if you ask like five people who live there they'll point you in a direction that won't disappoint Talk to people who, like, when you're there, sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 go for it. What I was going to say is, like, when you're there, like, you can go armed with all of this information, all these recommendations, but honestly, talk to your bartender. Talk to the waiter. Talk to your waitress. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Meredith was saying, just ask someone, like, where do you hang out? And they're going to tell you someplace that is phenomenal. Because they take so much pride in it. Yes. Yes. You raise what for me is something kind of almost at the spiritual core of New Orleans, which is this polymorphous sensibility, right? Mm -hmm. Like, people are so open. Open. And the way that you can turn, you know, the, what you described about the turning turning structures into instruments is just like, I do find that there's a kind of, among creative people I've known, mostly musicians, but also other types of people in New Orleans, there's this, there's this looseness of spirit that like anything can be merged into it. And yeah. I think if you go there 
with a it, like I think Mardi Gras the, the real Mardi Gras like not the TV Mardi Gras kind of captures this that there's just this polymorphic like shifting between contexts shifting between modes that is just part of the openness and the creativity and this like this beautiful you know um relatability of everything that people do and I think if you go with that spirit yeah. you're going to get a lot more out of it because I think something to note is that everyone who lives there is so proud to be there and they're so psyched to be there and, mm -hmm. and it really comes out I mean it, it, it's just part of the charm and like the seduction that is I New hope Orleans we have listeners. what I was going to say is I, the listeners that we're lucky enough who are in New Orleans tell us Tell us what are, do you agree with everything we're saying? Are you as proud of your city? Because we feel like you are. I'm seduced. And I would say that I feel like the reason why everyone is so proud is because there is every reason not to live there because mm -hmm. of the weather, because That's of a great the point. like. No one has to live in. there, and mm. you are choosing to live somewhere like New Orleans, where again there's been so much adversity. There are so many things going up against that city, and they are making the conscious decision like I'm staying here and I'm caring and I'm not leaving. Yeah, I think That's you're which right. Which I feel great like point. is a is a kind of goes into Brad's question earlier, which was about the art which is I feel like there are so many people from New Orleans or people who have come to New Orleans who have invested so much into that art scene and yeah, I, yeah you, and let's yeah. remember art wise I, I mentioned Prospect earlier at the moment Prospect 4 is on while we're recording oh, right. it through the end of, of February 2018 um, there have been four iterations of Prospect. I went to the opening of Prospect 1, which was the first major event after Katrina in 2008, when there were incredible installations curated by Dan Cameron across the whole the whole city, the Lower Ninth Ward across it. Franklin Sermons, who's the director of the Perez in Miami now, one of his calling card events was that he oversaw Prospect 3. And he's one of the hottest. He's a great curator. He's a great guy. The contemporary art in New Orleans is very vibrant in a mm -hmm. way that I think I didn't assume it would be, given that it's such an historic city. Mm. And yeah, the old music. Yeah, there are lovely old museums with some lovely kind of genteel exhibitions. But boy, the contemporary stuff is super exciting. Oh, and yeah. I think that is a startling part of New mm -hmm. Orleans. Is mm -hmm. that fair? I mean... Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, just... I went to um, Studio B in the Bywater. Um, oh, Studio B is amazing. It is amazing. Have you been? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's... I mean, it is the most powerful... Brandon Odoms, the artist who is behind all of this, I mean, he just creates these gigantic murals, these gigantic spray-painted murals, and they are just like a fucking punch in the gut. Like, you will see this stuff, and you will never, ever forget it. Mm. And... Uh, I, I just think he's incredible. I think anybody who is going there, like if you're going to Bacchanal in the Bywater, go to Studio B. Yeah. Like just swing by and take a walk through my, because you will not forget it. My favorite New Orleans, my only New Orleans venue, which I think has since shuttered, was when I went for dinner in the Bywater. Just a restaurant that had a pool out back that was a clothing optional I'm pool. The, it's, was, it's the country club. The country club. <laughs> hey, hey. You just, you're just having dinner yep. and then some of the people you have dinner with I think, it's, all I think it's still open, but they got rid of the nudity. And wander out back. Unfortunately, that, it was great. It was, but just it was like the most amazing. It was so New Orleans. Yeah. I'm not a particularly I, skinny to big person. <laughs> I was there when the HBO show Treme was on. And like when whenever the new episode came out, the whole city would shut down. Like people would go to bars and watch Treme. And I, w I happened to be at the country club watching it. And it was just like a bunch of naked people in a pool just chilling, drinking, watching Treme. <laughs> Which is, I That's just, a, to me, was scene. the ultimate New Orleans thing where you're like, I'm having dinner. And then I just feel like a bit of naked swimming yeah. with some yeah. of the people I've been having dinner with. <laughs> or maybe not. And it was completely sort of, it was unremarked upon. Yeah. And it wasn't a sort of cover for an orgy. It was just, <laughs> why would you, I mean, why would you bring a swimming costume? Yeah. <laughs> All right. A swimming costume. I think. Um, suits, can I just make one more point yeah, on the yeah. art? Um, Ashley Longshore, who's she? She creates this like beautifully vibrant pop art that is, uh, you know, like. Uh, Jesus Christ holding like Birkin bags and it, I mean it, you just have to see to know what she's doing right now her art is on display in the windows of Bergdorf here in New York so I will say I saw like the most precious video of her on Instagram because her like you know, partner was filming her as she drove around the corner, look, seeing her art, and she was just falling, sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those things where she, like, you know, posted it and was like, I had no idea who was filming. Yeah. But I mean, her stuff is so cool and crazy yeah, and yeah, kooky. Yeah. And like, I mean, one, if you see your own art, like, on every window in Bergdorf's, I would cry too. But like, yeah. just like, again, like that. 
pride in yourself and your work like comes across in all of these people. Yeah. May I also note that there's a, you may hear a very New Orleans soundtrack <laughs> to our recording. We did lay this on specially for New Orleans. This, these are outside the window, but it feels very appropriate that someone is having a party. Like a fucking rager. <laughs> yeah. right a New Orleans-style rager right near our studio. So we apologize, but also you're welcome because we're giving you a bit of a New Orleans vibe. <laughs> all right. That's as good a place as any to end it um, at uh, awesome. Well, can awesome. we do like a New Orleans remix to our theme song as an outro? <laughs> Wait, can I just make one more point? If you're thinking about going with your baby, is yes. it a baby? Brett. 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 It's a baby. It's absolutely a baby. Okay, I would say maybe just keep that baby at home for your first <laughs> trip. And you guys go and have drink, eat, drink, eat, you know, do your thing. And then Next bring, time. bring that kid when they're 21. Yeah. <laughs> when good, the baby's a little older. She's trying just to, say to circle back. Good place for you and the wife to have an adult getaway. Adults only. <laughs> without uh, your swimming costume. <laughs> No swimming costume. <laughs> you don't need to bring it. Um, I didn't skinny dip. I wish I had it in the way. It's it too late now. The, I know. End too of the late. That's how it always goes with skinny dipping. Um, <laughs> all right. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. And I wanted to remind everybody, season one of our Women Who Travel podcast is coming to a close. If you have not subscribed to this by now, the episodes just keep getting better and better. Meredith, what is what what's the closing going to be for this this last couple of episodes? So, the episode that just came out was about kind of how the travel industry has been failing people of color, specifically women of color. We had a really incredible discussion with three um, contributors that we've known for a while now. And and it was really, I think, a special moment for Lolly and I to just sit back and let them kind of share their experiences. And then coming up, we have how to plan your first trip abroad. So if you have someone you'd like to share that podcast with to kind of incite them to go somewhere uh, with you, um, please share it because it'll be really informative and I think super helpful if uh, you're trying to figure out where to go or what to do or how to get your passport. Um, those are all important things and kind of make all of this aspiration a reality. And then our last episode, we're working on something special that I'm not going to share yet. So you're going to have to listen all in. Right. <laughs> nice. And then we'll be gone for a month and then we'll be back with season two. Sweet. Teasing the people. Exactly. And so you, you, you need to go out and subscribe to that and you need to listen to that full season. Um, we are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram and Twitter. Please do tweet at us. If we've gotten anything wrong, if we've missed your favorite New Orleans restaurant or bar or art attraction or anything else, please let us know. We will share it back out with people. And I want to thank all of you guys for coming and talking about this. And maybe you can tell people how they can get in touch with you. Meredith. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on Twitter. I want to say thank you to Manuel and Vicky, who this week gave me and Brad some advice about Germany. I feel very ashamed that I haven't been to Heidelberg yet. Uh, and I'm on Twitter <laughs> at Mark J. Elwood. Mark with a K, Elwood with two L's. Ooh. Um, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not on Twitter. But um, you can write me on Instagram. L DiCarlo, D-E-C-A-R-L-O. Uh, I'm at Seb Modak, but please, people from New Orleans, don't just send me like hate tweets about the Caprese <laughs> po' boy. I just said it exists. I, I just said it, it exists. Delicious. Send all hate Caprese. tweets to Mark Elwood. <laughs> exactly. I'm happy to parry them. I'm happy to parry them. No I judgment. love the, I love the idea of that. Thank you. I will try that next time. Okay. Um, that was a beautiful uh, picture that we got sent on, on uh, Twitter. So uh, thank you for that. And I'm at Brad Rick. Have a great weekend, everybody. Visit New Orleans. 